When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in. It is time for the Monday Smash. Doing it old school with my partner, Ira Chaffel. There he is. Brought to you by our friend, Russ Voorhees. Russ, hey guys, not only is Russ a kick-ass State Farm agent and a guy you should call and you see the number there, he's a huge dude. That's a <laughs> mountain of a man. That's uh, He's a big, big-time guy. He, should, he could start a tackle for us right now. I think he was a basketball player back in the day. Uh, I think he spent a, a little bit of time here. Uh, with the Knowles, but yeah, he uh, he definitely could play tackle or, or or guard at this point. Yeah, Russ is a monster. How you doing, buddy? Good, man. Good. Just uh, still kind of um, you know just kind of getting back in the swing of things from uh, the end of football season. It feels you know it's I had the great tweet last night. Um, I think it was from one of the Reddit college football Reddit accounts or PFF or somebody that uh, pointed out that once that game was over, we'll, we won't get football again until. Florida State plays in Dublin against Georgia Tech, which is pretty cool, man. It's cool that uh, the Knowles will be on the the big stage when uh, we get back in this sport. Yeah, and you know, one thing I have liked about the lengthening of, you know, the NFL did this a while ago. I brought this up today on the JCS, which is that they slowly started taking over certain months and weeks and days of the non-football calendar year and started making it their own, Mm -hmm. you know? And they're like, oh, well, you know, yeah, the Super Bowl just ended, but uh, coming up next, you got to find out how everybody's going to do for the combine and who's going to be ready for the draft. And you have the actual draft and then mini camp happens. And then, you know, and it's it just next thing you know, they're kicking off the season and you haven't been without football at all for a year. It's starting to happen in college football with the way that the, the transfer rules work and, <laughs> you know, all the stuff that goes on at all times. You're like, well, you have the actual so you have the old school national signing day, but then you have, and that doesn't really even matter anymore, but then you have the the, the other the new signing day. And then of course the transfer portal signing day. And then in spring, there's another opportunity for people to transfer. So rosters change yet again after spring and you know people realize, Oh, I'm not going to start here. Maybe I'll transfer. So then Florida state may get another great player from somewhere else. They've already done that multiple times. Plus you're worried about your own roster, having somebody leave because they're not happy with playing time at the end of spring. And the next thing you know, Steph in June, dude, and we're planning to fly to Ireland. And you have, uh, you know, the coaches have had to, I don't know when this started. I guess it was probably 10, 15 years ago when college football became year round as far as training goes. Then the coaches had to come up with branding for their different workouts at different times of year because, like, it used to be football season would end. They might get a little bit, you know, a few days off or a couple weeks off or whatever. Then they get in the weight room. Then they would do that for a while. Then they would do some conditioning and then get ready for spring practice. But now that's got to be called, you know, Jimbo at fourth quarter uh, drills. Uh, I think uh, Willie's was the chase, maybe something like that. Then Mike Norvell's got a tour of duty. But you have to kind of come up with some sort of name for that period of time to kind of re-energize the kids. because So they don't remember the idea that they've been literally, they practice every single day of the entire calendar year. Because then this will go right up to spring practice, which will be kind of like the third week, second, third week of March. Then they'll spring practice for a month. Then they'll get into uh, all their summer workouts. Yeah, man, I did it last year. When we got done with spring, 
like you're practically in May. And when you're in May, football starts to come on the mind. You're like, oh, you know, it's May. Here we go. And uh, I know Corey doesn't do that. Hell, he's got to be three weeks into the season before he realizes football's here. Uh, The rest of us sitting around salivating, dreaming of football of any kind. You get as close to June, you can see football. You're like, I see it. I know it's almost here. And so you get excited about it. We used to get the magazines, but I don't know. Are we doing that? You used to have your system, right? You go to the uh, the bookstore and yeah. check out all the magazines. I don't know if you can't do that anymore. I don't think you. I mean, I think they make them. There's a few. But, man, the, think about when those magazines, and I've written for Athlon for yeah. a long time, but, you know, their, their deadlines usually are in April. Oh, yeah. I mean, imagine what that looks like now. I mean, Keon Coleman couldn't have been in Florida States last year. Yeah, it's got to suck, right? Um what is uh, what's his face do anymore? He was the one who took over all the magazines. He was the he was the man. Oh, um, and man. a giant thick one where he tell you yeah. people's records on a full moon in the rain. Dude, we're getting old. I can't we're, remember. Yeah, that dude, what's his name? Steel. 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 Ah, um, get off me, buddy. There it is. Steel <laughs> trap. Um, yeah. So he used to. Uh, Phil Steele, right? That's his name, Phil yeah. Steele. He used to email me uh, way back in my NLS days, and he'd be like, you want me to come on? And I'd, I had him on twice. No offense, Phil Steele. Boring as hell. And I remember thinking, I'm not having Phil on again, but he would still email me every year, and it made me sad because I'd have to be like, oh, can't do it this time, Phil, and you're trying to make excuses. Well, and the, the great – I mean, one of the best things he had was he was, he was I think, the originator at least of a public uh, magazine or book – that really broke down the returning starters and yes. returning snaps and all that, which is so important. And, <clears throat> you know, I think gamblers would do it on their own, but he had it there for you in the book. But again, now, man, he's got to go to press at some point. And how, how many people have changed teams during that time? And then you got into how do you even quantify what a returning starter is or, or returning starts or all that? Because what if, you know, Florida State brings in the kid from Harvard and he started for two years but those don't really count as Florida State starts, right? So now, you, I mean, there's just so much, uh, just so much like so many variables now compared to what it was just even shoot five six years ago. You were about to curse there. It's okay. I was too. I was. Yeah, we're not going to. I we're mean, not I, we're not I, there I, yet. Yeah, we're not there yet. But we might. Hey, Don, I see you sitting there in the chat. Don's good people, by the way. Uh, I may be doing some things with Don here in the not too distant future, but he uh, he's a man who knows tequila, Ira. <laughs> and thus he's a man we need to know. And he's he offering up tequila. I appreciate the people that are trying to like wean me off the Don Julio because they, they can tell I like it so much. <laughs> they're a little worried about me. So they're uh, trying to find me a, 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 top, a higher shelf. I don't I know. Don't I Don Julio should be on the top shelf, but apparently maybe it's not. I don't want you to ever go away from having the noise go away. I I need that to be a permanent fixture on the smash. Uh, Do we think the baseball team makes Omaha rights, Tony? I don't know, man. It's uh, half that's luck. Anyhow, I swear to God that that's there's some four state baseball teams that had no business going out to Omaha that made it and others that could have won the whole thing and should have that didn't get there. It's so frustrating. It's hard to project that early on. They're going to be better, man. They're going to be better. I, I will tell you that I can definitively say they're going to be a much better baseball team than they were last year. Whether or not that gets them to Omaha, I don't know. Would yeah, you I mean, agree with that? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of excitement about some of the arms. I think there's excitement about some of the bats. I think there's some excited, uh, excitement about some positions defensively. I don't know that it's a sure, you know, it, it's everything's perfect. 
You know, I don't know that this is going to be a team that, um, you know, again, like Link, the team at, at Notre Dame that he took to the College World Series and, you know, knocked off Tennessee and all that. Like, I think that was a very world complete... favor. Did the world a favor by knocking off that BS Tennessee team. Most did... unlikable organized team in the history of sports. He did do the Lord's work there. Um, yeah. But I think, like, it seemed like that was a very complete team. I don't know that this is still a very complete team. He's one year in, basically. This is his second season. But the first one was really kind of a wash. And so, they're, you know, I, st- I don't think it's what they want across all across the board. Um, but it's, it should be much better than it was last year. And, yeah, like you said, though, man, the, the, the challenge is going to be if you get paired up with one of these, you know, if you're not hosting and you get paired up, get sent to Athens or, well, you know, or LSU or, you know, one of these SEC schools that are paying, you know, a fortune for their NIL, for their uh, their rosters, um, it's still going to be a challenge. So I think this about the non-football playing sports at FSU all the time until we can get out of the ACC. It's part of my overriding concern. I like, as a Noel, I want all the teams to be good. I've rather enjoyed watching soccer win national championships, plural. I've enjoyed watching the softball team whoop ass and take conference titles and win a national championship and get out uh, to the World Series. I've enjoyed all of that. I've I liked it when Leonard Hamilton had it rolling and the basketball team was good and you could you know we could go in the TLC double C and see high caliber basketball. I like it when the women play well and when the track team's good. But I my great fear is for everybody that's not football while we're in this sorry ass league making no money that slowly that begins to wane and you do get scared about it. And I you bring up the point about baseball. It reminds me of conversations I had ages ago with teams that just didn't invest in football. And, you know, luckily Florida State's always invested in football, but you would hear the disparity in, in, in terms of the infrastructure and what they were trying to accomplish and what they could accomplish based on the money. And LSU, Ira, amongst several others in the SEC, I mean, they care deeply about having success in college baseball. And I don't know that Florida State can have the kind of program they want to have as long as they're in this conference. It's going to be a challenge, man. I mean, you know, you, you think of, um, you know, again, like I think Link's a very good coach. I think he's got a good bl- blueprint for what he wants to do. Um, so that gives you a better chance, uh, again, as long as the circumstances are what they are. Um, but the reality is, I mean, if, if, if there's a kid in the transfer portal that hit – I mean, because it's – and people here, we talk about baseball. We, to your point, I've heard about it in softball. Like there are softball players that have a really good year somewhere. This is, I mean, as far away from a revenue sport as you can get. Baseball, if you've got a good baseball team, you could break even financially. So you could even make a, an argument that, you know what, if we put a lot of NIL money into baseball, we could actually make some money back in baseball. Softball, in almost every program, I know for sure, I've seen the numbers of Florida State, it loses a lot of money. They just can't recoup it because they can't sell enough seats. There's just, there's not enough room in the stadium. So, so you're, you're, you're already going to be losing money in softball to then turn around and start putting a lot of NIL money into it. I mean, that's, that's a challenge, especially when you, you know, you, you are, you already need more NIL money in, in, in the revenue producing sports, but there are some schools out there that maybe don't care as much about football or don't have, you know, these other sports, or, or maybe they're in a conference where they're making so much money, they can devote it to softball. But there are softball players, uh, there are athletes in other sports that are very non-revenue sports that, you know, are getting major NIL deals. And and so that's going to be a challenge, man. And I, I think, like, to your point, if Florida State gets in the Big Ten, 
or gets in the SEC and that those numbers start to even out, then that's a different conversation. But for right now, I think it is going to be a challenge. Had some guys ask some good questions here. I answered the first one from Tony, or we were in the midst of answering that one. Let's go to Brett. He writes, Jaden Smith signed in December, not an early enrollee, requested and got a release from his NLI today. Can he sign in the May portal window? He's not in the portal. Yeah, it's I would assume so. I don't see why not. I mean, that's a, you know, it's a, it's a unique situation. We were talking about this. I was talking about this recently with some people at FSU, just in terms of um, these guys, you know, these players that early enroll and they're, even if they're on your campus, but then say they, they change their mind in the spring. Mm -hmm. Like how do they count in terms of scholarships? There's a lot of stuff that we're all working through. I don't know the specifics about that one, but I don't see why he wouldn't be able to. I mean, why would he not be able to? It seems everything goes. So I just assume yeah. anymore that if a person decides one day that he just doesn't like the lay of the land, he can ride on out. You know what he might be in that situation is he might be somebody that doesn't even sign a national letter of intent. Like, you know, the, um, uh, you know, like the early enrollees, Traditionally, they don't sign a letter of intent. They right. they um, they just enroll, or, or the transfers just enroll. They don't actually sign a letter of intent in most cases. So it could be that where he just enrolls somewhere in the fall. But if he's out of it, he's out of his NLI, then he should be able to free to do whatever he wants. Nolfan91, good evening, gentlemen. I was wondering if there was any update on the standalone football facility. That's Iris' thing. He uh, come on, tell us about the standalone, buddy. Let's go. <laughs> Just drive down. What is it, Champions Way or whatever yeah, it is? Yeah, yeah they are. Uh, they are constructing. They're. It's well underway. They've uh, torn up one of the football fields. They're uh, shut down the parking lot, which is too uh, much to our chagrin. Mm -hmm. But um, it's. Uh, yeah, they're in the process. They're doing all the work now. It's actually work you can see. Uh, big machinery digging up ground, and then they're going to be. Um, it's going to be built over the course of from now through uh, August of 2025. So basically. You know, in the spring, Florida State's going to be practicing in a construction zone. In the fall, they're going to be kind of practicing in a construction zone. Basically, there's, you know, they, uh, to, for people that haven't seen the practice fields, there's, a, yeah, there's the dope construction. Um, but right next there, so that's going on. But then there's also the practice field construction. But for people that haven't been out there, there's two full length practice fields. And then there's the indoor facility, which is a full length practice field also. Unlike of, Miami, Florida is, State has an entire, football field that they practice on that's indoors it's not 70 yards it's a full 100 it's not 60 that's um, it's it's a full 100 so one of those outdoor fields basically is going to be off limits for now so they're going to have the one full out outdoor field then they'll have the indoor facility that they can still practice in during the construction and then when it's over they're still not going to go back to three full fields i think that third one is going to be like a little bit shorter uh, because that building the way it's being built around it is going to cut off, but that's plenty. I mean, they, they don't need three full fields for practice. Um, I just want everybody be to fun. know, because Ira, you do a good job of telling everybody the way things work behind the scenes. Here you go, guys. I'll give you another one. Um, you've never seen the amount of bird shooting. Now, not literally shooting birds, but bird shooting like this yeah. that you see in the parking lot from media members towards one another as we all look for parking spaces to cover this football program, it's uh, the, the, think, on the one I think, hand, I think I've gotten a couple birds from you in that parking lot. I think I've received a, ch a smirk on your face as you smiled <laughs> and watched me suffer. And, and as you pulled in and grabbed the spot that I was about to take, yeah. the funny thing is, and this is a testament to 
for the most part, how well we all get along on the beat covering Florida State, whether it's Orchan or other sites. We pretty much all get along. Not everybody loves each other, but we pretty much get along. And so it's open bird season when people are steady taking like we get along that well where you could do it and nobody's going to fight you. You're not like fighting for a space in Miami or Tampa. Like you could just, you, you know, it's all nobody's, right. Nobody's pulling out a pistol. Nobody's pulling a piece. Uh, uh, but board. you know what though? I think now though, it is so limited now by the construction that we're, it's a, all a shared experience now. Like we're all in misery. Like we'll commiserate now about, cause this has only been for the last couple of weeks that yeah. it's been this way, you know, Oh, where, where'd you get a spot? Oh, you had to park by Madison social. Okay. Well, uh, I had to park in the far garage. Like Aslan's completely given up on campus. He's parking at like in a in a garage three blocks away. Is he parking at the garage that we all park yes. at? Football? Okay, yes. Okay, so across from the softball fields. Yeah. yeah. Because he's just like, there's what's the point? So yeah, it's a it's a challenging time. Life's tough for a sports writer these days. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Lee writes. Oh, here we go. This is a nice segue, guys. I thought last year's football team took training seriously. Yet Mike's recent comments have me excited about this year's team and mindset. What are your thoughts? Well, Ira, you just saw the man over in Orlando, so that brings us to the crux of the conversation this evening. I was not there. I've seen the video, I, but I, I wasn't there. Talk to me about what your impressions were, and then Lee's specific comments here that he's really excited about how hard they're working, or at least Mike's descriptors of their yeah, work. Yeah, and, and, and Coach Norvell, when we went down and talked to him in Orlando on Saturday, did say that this is um, easily the best first month of – winter workouts that they've had since he's been here, best tour of duty since they've been at Florida state. And, uh, and I think, you know, and that's not just, it's not just talk because they do have measurements. Like they, they have the GPS tracking so, uh, software so they can tell like how much exertion guys are putting out, how many reps they're able to do, what, what a velocity and explosiveness of their movements. I they didn't have that when I played Ira. They would know you're dogging it. They w- we all did, man. Every player out there had a moment. We would each give each other the look like, hey, man, it's hot out here. And we just kind of go through the motions on this one, and we'll be all right. But now they would bust our ass. <laughs> they, they would. Yeah, it's, it's a different era. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so they um, they actually have the, the data to back it up. And, yeah, he says the workload's uh, better than it's been any time since they've been here. And I th- as far as what that means, I mean, I think it means two things. One is – um, you, that should happen. You know, it should be getting better yeah. every year. Um, because, you know, you think back to four years ago, it was the COVID year, then, you know, three years ago, I mean, like it's been a uh, constant, um, you know, and then get the players learning it and then bringing in better players and then them learning it. And now you're at a point now where the roster is better. And I also think one positive, it's probably helping it also is you did bring in a lot of players from other programs where they work really hard. So. Mm-hmm. You bring in five guys from Alabama. I'm guessing it wasn't a huge adjustment. You know, Mike Norvell said there is still some adjustment because anytime you go from one workout to a di- another one, it's different. But but you're bringing in five guys from Alabama, a guy from LSU, a guy from Georgia. You know, you're bringing in guys that have been at elite programs. Um, so that's probably helping as well as compared to bringing in players from, you know, FCS schools or Charlotte or wh- wherever. There's nothing new under the sun, so I would be bleeding people dry if they played at a place like Georgia or Alabama because let's not pretend those haven't been the two most dominant programs in college football over the last several years. I would want to learn. I mean, it's a fine line. You have your own way of doing things. You have your own modus operandi. Mike has his philosophies. He's not going to abandon any of those, but you would want to learn how things were operating 
for good or for bad at these other places where they've had a ton of success. That'd be awesome. Yeah, you know, one cool – Alex Atkins has talked about this a lot. I, I'm sure the other coaches do it as well. But Atkins has talked about it a lot. He talked about it when Dylan Gibbons came in from, um, Notre, Dame. from Notre Dame, and, he, and he's done it with other guys as well. And he, he'll – when they're going over things in the meeting room, he'll let them explain how they were taught this – how did you guys run this play? How did you guys teach this? How did they teach you this? And then he would kind of sometimes apply some of that. Maybe yeah. that makes more sense or maybe – yeah, so now that's a good point. And, yeah, you're bringing in guys from – and I'm sure the same thing happens when these Florida State guys go elsewhere. I'm sure those schools are hitting them up for information because Florida State's obviously uh, doing a lot of good things too. Keith writes, with the power two on the brink of emerging, is this is there a chance we see schools get relegated, move the Vanderbilts of the college football world out, and bring the FSU and Clemson's in? You know, it's funny, uh, Keith. I, we, I've thought about it. Um, I, I've thought about where this is headed, and it in my mind, it was a bit like, you know, European soccer where you could relegate. Um, it wouldn't be called that, but I do think to some degree we are probably headed there with the teams that the universities that are going to invest in a world where it is uber competitive, it's semi-pro, it is, it is the money we talk about on a daily basis. Those that want to do that and those that just don't, they don't see it as their vision for the long-term uh, goals of the university. And, and, you know, a school like Wake Forest, for example, as much as they may want to lobby in the press of their rapid growth, we see otherwise uh, in terms of the stadium and the investment from the fans and all that. I'm using them just because I want to take a shot. But honestly, you've got to believe that there's a future where we're covering this sport and there are two very different kinds of football being played on Saturdays and two very different leagues almost. Yeah, I think some of the, like you're you're saying, I think some of these decisions – will be easier than others. I think some schools like Vandy, Wake Forest, maybe Northwestern, there's some of these schools that that might decide, you know what, that's the, we don't really have an appetite for paying these players exorbitant right. m- amounts of money. Maybe we'll step out and play in this other league. Um, and then, you know, obviously a lot of the schools that do want to do it will, will want to be into it. The question will be like schools in the middle that will really want to be there, but maybe they just don't bring enough. You know, at some point there's just not enough – you know, food for all the mouths at the table. And so that would be a challenge is like who gets kicked to the curb that wants to be there. Um, well, that's, that, why that S- that's why SMU Ira was so quick to jump right. on. I mean, they were like, we'll take anything, whatever, just let us in a power five league. We got to get the hell up out of here. And they did it. Now they have money. They will invest. They care. There are going to be schools. I don't know which ones, but you know, like, some of the prestigious academic institutions that don't like this model are going to be torn between this is not how we view college athletics and what we ever thought this should be. And, oh, by the way, we're currently making a gazillion dollars thanks to football, and I don't want to give that up. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Vanderbilt's like, you know what? We're cool in the SEC. This yeah. is fine. We'll take we're- that ass kicking. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I also, you know, there, but, you know, there are – there's already something in place sort of to differentiate between like f- the football bowl subdivision FBS mm-hmm. and the FCS. It's the number of scholarships they can provide. Correct. Um, and so, and maybe, and I think there are some other regulations in terms of like investments. So I, maybe you could create a scenario. And again, we now have the SEC and the big 10 joining forces to have these meetings behind closed doors. Um, but they don't want the, to replace the NCAA for the, for the good of the sport. Yeah. 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 Now, you know, maybe they come up or the powers that be come up with a structure where, okay, if you want to apply to be in this new 
power structure, this is what you have to commit to. And you've got to have a stadium with 60,000 seats. Right. And, you, and you've got, yeah, and you've got to invest that, that, that amount of money every year. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's all on the table. I mean, right? I mean, everything's on the table other than, you know, being there being a power five, I think, from a few years from now. I just, it's hard to imagine that that's going to be the case. Keith, you, you, you joke. Goodbye, Miami. They can't be out here with that slap dick of a practice facility expecting anybody to take them seriously now. They don't even have an on-campus facility. They don't have an on-campus stadium. They can't make it. Sorry, guys. But just think, Miami, you get to dominate the wakes of the world moving forward in whatever this other brand of football you're going to be playing in the future is. That'd be great. Be filling up that, they're finally going to fill up that trophy cabinet. You get to do it. You'll get to do it. So what what did you what did you take away from Mike? What did you like? What did you hear? What's something that stood out to you? And before you answer that question, this is a teaser in the business, folks. Ooh. Let's hear from like Russ Borges. Let's do it. Let's hear it. Let's hear the jingle. Contact Russ Boris for an auto quote today. Russ, good people, does a good job. Give him a call today. You see the numbers on your screen. Got to get insurance from somebody. You might as well get it from a good guy who's a knoll, knows what he's doing. He's going to do you right. All right, here we go. Talk Real quick, you. though, for the podcast listeners also, because uh, they can't see the screen. Oh, Russ okay. has offices. He's got offices in Jacksonville Beach and Orange Park. But he services the tri-state area. Do we call it that? Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. I mean, we, you know, we can make it up. You can make it up. Yeah. The other tri-state area. Yeah. And uh, and uh, if you, any insurance needs you have, Russ will take care of you. He's got a great staff as well. They're very big on customer service and answering your questions, and they do a really good job. The website is russvorhis.com, R-U-S-S-B-O-R-H-I-S.com. And the numbers in uh, Jacksonville Beach and Orange Park, it's like back in the day, Jeff, you pumping the numbers for uh, – yeah, 904-834-4282. That's 904-834-4282. And Orange Park, 904-276-9535. First caller yeah. gets uh, yeah, tickets yeah, yeah. to WrestleMania. Yeah. Third caller, fourth <laughs> caller, whatever it was. I used to use the call-in factor to F with producers – so certain producers that would be filling in, if I didn't like them as much, I'd be like, call her 14. So they'd have to answer 14 calls and tell people they weren't the winner just to hear the disappointment. And they would flick me off the way we do in the parking lot at, uh, more. And then I others, you know, if you really like a guy, you're like, first caller, come on, first caller wins. First caller, <laughs> first caller is the way to go, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so as far as Norvell goes, yeah, you know, he's definitely fired up. I mean, there's no question. I mean, when is he not? So that's mm. not a – a big surprise, but you know, you can definitely tell that he um, is real excited about the workouts. You know, he offered up a couple of things. Like he's like, look, I haven't had to make any motivational speeches. And that was one thing I wondered about a little bit, man, about the hangover, about this from the snub. I yeah. mean, I, I wondered a little bit if um, you know, cause look, man, there, there, there's a big part of the reason a lot of those guys didn't play in the bowl game. The guys that moved on to the next level, you know, they, they were, they were devastated about the snub and they were mad about the situation. And then you had the rest of the team that stayed that had to go wear that ass beating. Oh boy. And then, Hey, you're going to get a few days off and now let's get back into workouts and tour duty. Like I just kind of wondered if there would be any kind of malaise that they had a breakthrough. And he said, man, not at all. It's been they're after they're hungry. Uh, he loves it. And so again, I mean, it's uh, it's, I think he, I mean, he's really fired up. 
Well, he's got something that he still wants to accomplish, obviously. He's got a commitment from the university, and it, almost more of a commitment than anybody in college football. I mean, he's right up there amongst the elite uh, in terms of pay. Uh, so he knows that they're all in, and he knows he's got a good team, and they continue to improve the roster. I do. I think you're right, though, Ira. I, I think in the offseason anymore, guys have all got to want to get after it. They got to be self-motivated. Right. It's not like the old days. I'm 52 years old. I can remember the days, and I only played one year of college football, but I remember when they were telling us when we had to arrive at Etsu about these workouts, and they said they were voluntary. And then the first day I got up there, I was like, well, these are voluntary. I'm going to get to know the city. And the guy laughed at me. One of the players was like, dude, there's no such thing as voluntary workouts. What's wrong with you? Have you ever planned to play here? You know, it's like – and so that's now commonplace year round where everybody works out at all times. You got to want to do that, but also that's the only way you're going to get to where you want to go. And anybody going to Florida state wants to play in the NFL. They just do hundred percent. I actually just had this conversation with somebody recently over there about that topic, just about, you know, that Norvell does a good job of getting these kids who are very, who buy into his message and they mm -hmm. want to work hard and all that. And the person said, yeah, that's hundred percent true. But also if they're, if they're on our radar at Florida state, they're they good. work hard. Yeah, they, they 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 wouldn't have gotten to this point if they weren't going to work hard. So so that's a big part of it. But also, I think the camaraderie uh, is a big thing. He also, um, you know, just talking about the quarterbacks, and I haven't written this. And I'm not sure if I will. I may write it later. But um, you know, he was really good about um, you know, just the experience um for Brock Lynn this past year, going through what he had to go through those last two games, starting the AC Championship game, yeah. starting against uh, Georgia in the, in the Orange Bowl, and he and he he. He's very high on him. And you you wonder sometimes when a guy gets thrown in that situation and if it could have shaked their confidence. I mean, that kid was on the other side of a 63 to three loss. I mean, it's a, it's, it's brutal. Um, and he doesn't have, you know, like Mike Norvell was the head coach that day, but he's won games. He's won championships, significant games. Yeah. So, so he can wear that a little bit differently than a kid thrown out there in that situation. And so, but he, he just, he, he said he's been more and more impressed by, the way Brock Lynn handled that. Um, and I think it was a good sign the way, you know, we've talked about at the time, but the way he improved from the AC championship game to the orange bowl, even though the score wouldn't reflect it, he looked a lot better and a lot more in control in the orange bowl than he did in Charlotte. And um, according to Norvell, he's gotten stronger since then. And and so, and you know, Norvell also, every time DJ Uyunglele came up, Norvell would bring up, you know, Brock and Luke also, you know, so I don't think, you know, when we talk to him before spring practice starts, I don't think he's going to be, oh, yeah, DJ's been anointed, no question the starter. I think he's presented – just based, the way he was talking, I think he's presented to all three of them is that it is wide open, although it would be a, obviously a huge upset if one of them won. Yeah, I think it's awesome that Brock has a good attitude about it because it could go south in a hurry. Not only did you get thrown to the wolves in two situations where you set up for failure – uh, you were on the wrong end of an ass beaten that will forever live in infamy, you know, for a lot of people. And, and you're probably a little frustrated by that, but then they go out and recruit over you with a guy that's played a ton of football, which is an essence saying you're going to be waiting another year because we're bringing in a bridge. Now he can tell them that they can compete and I'm sure they will. And he wants them to, but you could see where the kid could look at that and go, man, that's not cool. I mean, I, I wasn't even told I was going to start in the uh, ACC championship game until like the night before. 
And I, I got thrown out there and was not prepared at all. And then I just had to go out there and be a sacrificial lamb. And now you bring in this guy. I'm a little frustrated, but that's not the attitude that he's had. Time to talk Shopify. A couple of years ago, I wanted to create and sell headlines merch for the best podcast listeners in the world. That's you guys. But I had no idea where to get started. Now we're selling yay sausage shirts and it's so easy all because we use Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify is the only tool you'll need to grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. You could be selling Don Julio socks from Shopify's in-person point of sale system or offering headliner shirts from Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. So you'll sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I really love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash warchant, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash warchant, all lowercase, now to grow your business no matter what stage of the game you're in shopify.com slash warchant. Yeah. And in fact, he, he, you know, he also brought up the fact that Brock also missed part of the year due to his hand injuries. So, you know, he, yeah, he yeah. not only was thrown into that situation, but he also didn't even get the full freshman year as normal. Uh, I think uh, Ben had just popped a question up there about the difference between true freshman and redshirt freshman. And now they've done, um, R. Wilmer asked, did, did Mike speak on how the redshirt, true freshman, and transfer wideouts perform in the tour of duty? He didn't go into specifics about them, but one thing he did talk about was um, the freshman and, and, and transfers. They did something new this year, which he said they've never really done in the past, but they've never had so many newcomers before. They actually broke the freshman and, and, and the transfers into a, a separate group um, and it had a little bit modified tour of duty. So it's not like it was easy. It just instead of because the way you know the way and you know we've been in there before and people have probably seen some mm-hmm. of the videos. A lot of it is you're you're in groups, and so if you've got twenty eight or thirty newcomers out there, kind of muddying up everything else for everybody else, it's just going to diminish the work. So they have kind of they broke those guys off for the first month, and they're going to introduce them all into this month. But he sounded thrilled with the whole group, but um, this week will be the first time that all the newcomers will be with all the returning guys. Man, I when we go through and you guys did a great job of amassing all of the interviews and getting those posted up there. I know you and Aslan and everybody that worked on that. I want to give credit to. Um, I certainly wasn't over there getting those interviews. And um, all I did was ask questions. Aslan, Ben, and Matt. Yeah, did, uh, or Ben and um, Tom did all the yeah heavy did, a, did a lot of good work and got those things up very quickly and there was a great response to that and we're you know we're working hard we're putting our people to work we're doing all the things we can to get you the information you want but the point is if you're just if you're a four state fan and you live wherever you live maybe you live in Atlanta maybe you live in Chicago maybe you live in Orlando whatever you sit down and you click on it you go to War Chant you click on the interviews and then you're looking at all those. And you just had to walk away. If you went one by one by one by one by one, you just walked away feeling good, mm-hmm. feeling good about the kids, feeling good about the way that they kind of handled those interviews. But also, if you just look at who they are, their names, where they came from, how highly touted they were, 
transfers, what universities they came from, what positions they played, how productive they've been, why they chose Florida State. When you put that all together, I just think you feel very, very confident that Florida State's going to be in a position to compete for the conference title again and maybe perhaps and certainly in a 12-team playoff this year make the college football playoff. I, I don't think you – know, I, I think there were some thoughts going into the offseason that perhaps Florida State would take a significant step back, but I don't believe that's true at all. Yeah, it's, it's – I find myself asking myself a little bit, you know, like how much we can put into that and how much we shouldn't put into that because you're right, man. Almost all of them have been very impressive, even the guys that – if not clearly, this is not comfortable to them to stand up and and look. It wouldn't be comfortable to, for most people at eighteen or nineteen or even twenty years old to go come into a room of people you don't know. You've got a camera, you've got people with cameras in the back of the room. You've got a Zoom camera over here. You've got somebody asking you questions from Zoom. You've got these reporters you don't know sitting around the room. Some of them are thirty years older than you, mm-hmm. and. Um, and so it's got to be a, you know, a weird situation and almost all of them handle it extremely well. Even the ones that aren't super talkative, you can tell they're sharp kids. Um, so that is all good and important. Um, I think what, you know, you know, again, like you don't want to get too carried away though, because we do have to see it. Like we have to see it on the field. Now, physically on the hoof, some of these guys look f- phenomenal. I mean, you're bringing in those defensive linemen they brought in yes. are all super impressive physically. Um, you know, the, the, you know, some of these skilled guys, we know the speed we've, we've seen the times that, you know, they've got four kids that they brought in that all run around 10, six or lower in the hundred, um, in high school, they may be faster now. So, so you could see all that you can feel some tangible, but you, but until you really see them on the field, it's hard to, it's hard to know. Right. I think you're right to phrase it that way, Ira, that I don't, that's all we can do is, okay, let's see how they handle questions. Let's see how mature they are. Let's see, you know, how worldly they are. Let's just see what their mind, what their mental makeup is. But then from there, you really just look, it's a football game. I mean, we're talking about athletes. This is about talent acquisition, size, speed, strength. This is how you win the line of scrimmage. This is how you win games. They've raised the floor of talent. And when you look at the guys and you think back two years ago to when you were doing this to where you are now, the athletes look different. They all look the part. A lot of them look the part now. That matters, man. It's football. I know there's the all getting off the bus team jokes that we've all made about certain players that look the part that can't play. But I promise you, if you stockpile a bunch of four and five star kids and you're molding that clay as opposed to finding diamonds in the rough everywhere you look so you can get something pieced together, you have a lot better chance to win some damn football yeah. games. And so they've got dudes now. Yeah, it's uh, and again, I always bring him up because I – just because it's an easy comparison, but I feel bad for it because I, I love the kid. But like Keyshawn, Hel- Keyshawn Helton had the best makeup you'd ever could ask for. Right. But he also was a small, undersized slot yeah. receiver, you know, that just really couldn't be – you know, just, you know, just for all the physical reasons, the catch radius, the, you know, the physicality, all those reasons was going to have a hard time succeeding at this level. But yeah, you think about where you were two or three years ago, it's completely different. What I like the fact that, you know, when you bring in, you know, you're going to have to replace obviously a lot of production on offense and some really good players on defense. Um, but I do think on both sides of the ball, you've got such a strong nucleus, mm-hmm. um, you know, on, on the, you've got basically just about almost your all, whole offensive line back including some new pieces there. You you look at the receiver core, the you know, the talent you brought in there. The running back room returns a lot and then you brought in new pieces there. And then obviously defensively, um, you know, you've done a really good work 
up up front with all those defensive linemen, the linebacker from Alabama. So yeah, man, it's it's uh back to your original point about like the expectations for this season. I don't think it's crazy to think that they should compete for the ACC. And and I don't know that yeah, at the end of at the end of the regular season, I wouldn't have thought we would have have that conversation. Right. Let's get to some questions that have been highlighted here in the chat that I've been remiss to to overlook here. Let's start. Well, I see uh, uh, is do I see that right? Yeah, that's Elise. She's Elise. Uh, she's asking us. Um, thank you, by the way, Elise. Appreciate you. Interested in our thoughts on Kelsey's interaction with uh, the coach last night. Uh, she would have him bodyguarding for Taylor Swift. He's not going to do that because Taylor. <coughs> excuse me. I should mute myself. Answer the question, Ira. <laughs> the interaction. I don't know. Like I, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I think the, th- the whole thing was it looked worse than it was because Andy Reid like was off balance and like stunned by it or whatever. And then they're showing it in slow motion. It wasn't like he ran him over. I think he was just, it seemed like one of those, Hey, get me the damn ball. Why was I not in the game on that play? And we're down here at the goal line. You know, I need to be in the game. Um, those relationships, if you're a coach and a player, we saw, I mean, at yeah. the college level, Jameis and Jimbo would have conversations like that. And it, so certainly guys that have been in the league for 10 years and their head coach, they've won Super Bowls together. I wasn't that bothered by it, but I don't know. I, I think I saw Boomer or one of the guys in the studio didn't like it. Um, but well, it's a I, bad I look, and it can be thought of as disrespectful. I think it looked bad because, like you said, Andy was about to fall over. Right. I'm not a Kelsey guy, so it lent itself to my narrative anyhow. <laughs> so I was like, yep, classless piece yeah. of garbage, as always. So, you know, but I will tell you, that's a little much. It is a little much. It's not the end of the world, but that looks like a crazy person. Get it together, Travis. Get it together. Um, but, of it course, at the end of the day, they win Super Bowls with that guy, and he ended up with – at the time, he had one catch. He ended up with nine for – he was their leading receiver. Yeah. Yeah, pretty good second half. Um, it was weird, though. Like, there were times in that game when when I thought he looked a little slow, and I thought, you know, the – the um, you know, I really, I mean, I thought the Niners had a really did a good job of, of disguising things, especially in the first half. It seemed like it was really, I, I think the Chiefs didn't know what they were looking at in, in a lot of times going into plays, but they started to figure it out in the second half. And then he became, yeah, uh, he became a focal point players. in the last yeah. couple of drives, especially. Yeah, they were running zones. San Francisco was and did a good job winning up front. But then when you don't put them away, you can't let good teams hang around. You can't let great quarterbacks hang around. And, I thought the 49ers could have gone up like a couple scores twice and they didn't. And that was, you know, that, that was going to come back to haunt them. Joseph writes, Hey y'all, where do you think Jordan Travis ranks in Jersey sales all time at FSU? Golly, I don't know. Ari, do you know that? I don't know. Um, and it's, it's hard to compare right now because up until just a few years ago, they couldn't sell guys jerseys while they were still in school. So, you know, they, now they might sell five jerseys, um, when Jameis was here, but you were, you were buying, I don't know who, who's a, you're buying, um, yeah. black market stuff. You're getting people, you're, you're buying like whoever wore five, 10 years old, Preston Parker, right? You're, right. allegedly, you know, cause you weren't really supposed to sell their numbers and their jerseys while they were in college. But, um, so I, it's hard to, it's probably gonna be hard to compare in terms of like where they are now compared to guys, uh, you know, when they were coming out of college, but, um, It'll be up there, man. I think he's he's beloved in a special way that I didn't expect. You know, I mean, I knew people liked him, but I feel like especially him getting hurt um, and then the way he handled all that, like it was already like up here, 
but I think that maybe even pushed him to a higher level. So I think I mean he's going to do real well. I don't know where it would be right now though. Yeah, and he also is a guy that handled like you said all the stuff with, with dignity and you know I also think that I always like a guy who gets a lot better and he got a lot better every year you know he just kept getting better yeah. so you know the work is there you know you care about the work you care about the production he had all of that and then he had the cool personality for the fan base to to latch on to because he he loved his teammates loved Florida yeah. State Norvell had a little uh, a little jab at a reporter asked basically they said um when we were talking to him Somebody said, you know, you know, at DJ's last school, he got benched, and there are some fans that probably don't think he's going to be able to play at a high level or whatever. And, and Norvell's like, yeah, well, there were a lot of people that didn't think Jordan Travis was going to play at a high level, and he did pretty well. So it was just uh, – Did you I like, pipe I like, What's that? I was going to say, did you pipe up and say, and you were one of them, Mike? <laughs> no, I did not. But I like when uh, – I like, I like when Norvell throws it back at it. At a reporter every once in a while. <laughs> uh, Don writes, will the 12-team playoff coincide with the transfer portal window next season? Do you see the portal window changing due to this? Good question. It's Dan. That I is a good question. Dan. Yeah, I don't know if they'll do it the way they did it this past year or not. It's a good question. I should know the answer to that. I hadn't. I just hadn't really thought about it, and I'm not 100% sure if they've said it. Um, but, you know, the way they did it for this year was – uh, it, it, it was open for, I think like five extra days after the playoff teams played their, played their last playoff game. So like when Alabama lost their playoff game, it opened up for five days. And then of course, mm-hmm. when Saban retired, it opened up for 30. So, but, um, so I might, it may just do that. They may just stagger it from those days. Um, there's just more of them. There's going to be six teams eliminated right off the bat. And then those teams, and then you would stagger it from there, but I, I haven't, I don't have the, the right answer. Sorry about that. Justin writes, uh, is it best or wise to invest in a transfer player that will be with us for a year uh, or to invest in a player that will slash can be with us for years? Depends on the player, depends on the need, but depends on the position. Um, I think that you absolutely will have years where it's very wise to invest in a top flight one year only wide receiver named Keon Coleman uh, or, you know, or Jermaine Johnson and other years you would say, you know what? Um, I want to, I want to build as much as I possibly can with multi-year players, preferably five-star high school kids. I think we're seeing that certain positions are more readily available and the talent at that position, um, is, is greater in high school and you build them up as you bring them in offensive linemen. A lot of the ones that get drafted highly that you see go on and be all American types and go to the NFL. Many of them were just five-star elite high school recruits that committed to the, a school like Georgia or, you know, wherever they went, Alabama and, and went through four years, five years and went on to the NFL, but it's not the same every year. And you got to kind of judge what your needs are and how pressing those needs are. So, it's a player for player, year for year thing, I believe, for for a coach to decide what he's got coming back. Yeah. What's the impact of a player coming in from outside of the program uh, that's a junior when you have a sophomore that committed to you at a high school and has been with you for two years and he's going to have to now compete with the guy? You got to know that kid. You got to know how he's going to handle that. You may love that kid and think that long-term that kid's the answer, but he's just not quite ready yet, and you're going to bring in this guy. Well, how does he – does he does he decide to leave? You know, can you handle that? I mean, you got to – it's tough. It's a really difficult task for these coaches. Yeah, and I think it, it and it's changed from year to year, and especially this year now because 
as of now, they have unlimited transfers. So you can't even, it used to be up until now, if you got, if you brought in a Fentrell Cypress or you brought in a, um, I don't know, Jarian Jones or whoever it was, you had, they had already transferred once. They weren't going so anywhere. They weren't going anywhere until they, maybe if they got their degree, they could go somewhere as a grad transfer. But now you could bring in a guy this year and think a lot of these guys they brought in this year have m- multiple years left. Well, that doesn't mean they're going to be here for all those years. They could still bail uh, after one season. So I don't know that you can look at it from a standpoint of I'm going to get three years with this guy because you don't know if you're going to get more than one year with him. I think you're just getting guys that you think can help you win. And and if they have multiple years, then the better. Peter writes, last year someone asked me how I thought we would be in 2023 to 2022, and I said we were 10 points better. <clears throat> I guess that was reversed. So we're 10 points better. Do you see us being better or to equal or less than we were the prior year? That's Pete the Greek, as he writes. Um, Listen, I I said that I thought the offense might be better, and I cited many reasons for that. It wasn't a singular thing. I thought they really were beset by injury last year in a way that is much more expansive than people realized. And they knew they had a good defense. They knew they could lean on that defense. They didn't want to get Jordan hurt, so they didn't get to unleash the totality of what Jordan could be because they didn't need to. They weren't pressed into doing so. And so I just think, I mean, it's a rude thing for me to say it this way, but you're bringing in a one-year rental who's 255 pounds. If you want to run him, you run him. I'm sorry. That's just that's – well, and that's one know. guy. There are many others that I would talk about. I think the offensive line has to be healthier. We know they've infused it with some more players. I just don't know how this offense couldn't be healthier at almost every effing position because they just were riddled with injury. I mean, serious stuff guys were playing through last year. Yeah, and I think that that's – it's almost like you have to talk about last season's offense in two separate seasons because there was the the first month, right? you know, the LSU game. I mean, they looked phenomenal yes. early in the season. But, you know, you started getting injuries like three or four weeks in to, you know, Shaheen Bell and – and Keon Coleman and, and, and across the board. And, and so, and then the offensive line never really could get healthy. So, yeah. So I think that's, it's, it's, you're evaluating based on, we never saw a full season of what that offense could have looked like. Correct. Um, I, you know, if you look at the, you know, I think it's a crapshoot, man, going into this year. I know you, you've said that you think this offense could be better than it was last year. And I think it could be, especially the offense we saw, the last seven, eight games, yeah, which was, yeah. was that's not a, a real dynamic offense. And it's a large part of the season. Right. Yeah, for sure. So I agree with you. Um, but it is like so many variables, you know, and, um, you look, I can definitely make the argument that it will be better because again, better than the big picture offense, not just the, that first month, right. uh, or what that offense could have been because I mean, if you look at it, the offensive line should be better, right? I think it should be better. They brought in, some really experienced offensive linemen to go with. Now, you know, one thing nobody really talks about, but I think is important to note, Jeremiah Byers was in his first year in this system with Alex Atkins. So he should be better this year. Even though he's played four years of college football, right. He we may see a nice jump from him going into year two. Then you talk about, you know, the guys that they've got, you know, Darius Washington turned into one of the best offensive linemen in the conference. If Robert Scott's healthy, if Maurice is healthy, you bring in these guys from Florida and Alabama, these other offensive linemen. So the offensive line should be better this year. I think that's safe to say. I think the receivers 
aren't going to be better though. I mean, they, there's going to be more speed, probably not going to be better. Um, running backs, probably not going to be better. I wouldn't think, I mean, well, better may not be a Trey Benson, but I think right. by committee, they could be more productive because you have a healthier offensive line. Yeah. You, you have other facets of the offense that will right. create some balance. No, you're right. And then Norvell and Atkins scheme it up really well to help, help the backs. No, you're, yeah. you're right about that. Um, and then DJ is probably, you know, it's going to be a drop off from Jordan. So it's hard to say it's going to be better, but it could be. I mean, it certainly could be because you do have some really nice building blocks. Um, so if those guys, if some of those guys step up and some of the young receivers like Hakeem Williams and Destin Hill and Van Dravis Jacobs and those guys, any of those guys emerge, now, now you're really talking. So it's just – uh, Yeah, uh, and I, I will tell you that I am banking on the fact that Hakeem Williams is going to become a star pretty quick. I mean, admittedly, baked into my assessment of this offense taking a step forward are all the injury things that we've talked about, but also that I think Hakeem, I think we would have seen it this past year. I think towards the end of the year, you would have seen, especially as the other guys got hurt, when Johnny got banged up, if Hakeem had been really, really healthy and he wasn't, you could have seen him fast-tracked. When Keon ended up having his injury and really became a kind of shell of who he was in the first part of the season. I think Hakeem could have been counted on there. You could have rested key on a little bit if you needed to. Um, I think they were on the precipice of doing that when he got hurt. Right. And then I happen to think too, that, yeah, you, you just named three guys that I think will all take a big step forward. So I, that's where I'm baking. You're right. You got to see it in games but I do think that they will. And then you brought in some pieces and you really created the ability to stretch the field because now you have real speed here. They did not have that last year. Changes the dynamic of your offense. Teams have to guard every facet of that field now that you got a quarterback who's got a – that's the, that's the throw he makes, right? Yeah. He's got that big arm down the field and you got speed to stretch him. And hopefully if the offensive line's healthy and better, you should be able to run the ball. I just – I do think it's there – and it, it it's a distinct possibility. Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't argue against it. I just it's hard for me to predict it just because just yeah. haven't seen it. Well, Ira, you just need to get on board with this optimism, buddy. Let's ride. Let's ride. Kayvon wants to know what we're drinking. Man, it's Monday after the Super Bowl. I'm drinking water. I, I'm not lying to you. I'm, I'm drinking, drinking some artesian water right here, buddy. There you go. Look at it. There you go. Um, yeah, we got our delivery today, Ira. There you go. We did. Um, we did. I'm doing the same thing. I'm just drinking water. Other smashes will have alcohol free and flowy. Just not tonight. Cave on <laughs> it was the super bowl. And you know, everybody gets a little loose on super bowl Sunday. So you know, that's the way it works. I'm Hey, speaking of the super bowl though, I am happy that the last quarter and a half happened though, man. The first half was a snooze Ooh. fest. I mean, it was bad. Yeah. The defenses um, were carrying the day. Yeah. Um, I can live with both. I can, yeah, I'm glad we got both in a way, you know, because right. then it made the second half all the more exhilarating into the overtime. It's only the second time the Super Bowl's gone to overtime, uh, and I'm a big fan of, uh, of uh, you know, if I don't care about the two teams and I don't care about either one of those two teams, I just want to see a damn game that is riveting to the end, and you got that at the end. So I'll, I'll take that, although I'm, I'm done with Kansas City now. We can move it along. Would so you – before the end of regulation, would you have gone for it on fourth down or would you kick the field goal? So – with the with six seconds, were yeah. you thinking, yeah, it would go for it on third down. Um, because they because yeah. they, they, you had six seconds, you had a play to burn if you want to try to take a shot. Yeah, normally you would trust uh Mahomes there right? to, to know the time, but 
But I will tell you one of the reasons that you were hard-pressed with time was because he made an ill-advised decision to take off when they didn't have timeouts and he got tackled. In the, you yeah, remember that? It wasn't good. Yeah. So maybe he was thinking, oh, I don't know, man. You can have that happen. And the new rules mean I'm definitely going to get a possession right. and I've got the better quarterback. I'll kick the field goal. We'll play right. for overtime. I like my chances. You know, I think that's probably what went into it. But yeah, I thought about it too. I said to my wife, I said, man, if this were a regular season where the rules aren't the same as they are in the playoffs, right. I think he goes for another play and tries to win the game right there. Right. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So there was, there was, a, it was, it was fun. It was fun. Uh, anything else we should touch on, Ira, before we say goodnight for the evening here? Um, it, I can't believe an hour has flown past. Um, no, man, just, uh, no, just the, you know, ba- baseball opening weekend is this weekend coming up. Um, softball, yeah. just uh, for people who have, weren't paying attention. They opened up the last last weekend, and I guess like Thursday or Friday they opened up and had a bunch of kind of thrilling wins. Uh, our, our guy Aslan, I think, is going down to Clearwater this week. He's going home. Oh, Clearwater. he's going home. Nice he's gonna, for him. He's going to go check out that tournament. They they're playing like four other three or four other yeah, they, top five teams. Years, yeah. yeah, so he's going to go down there. And then like you know, it was said we'll have baseball coverage and then uh, basketball. I think basketball's on the road tomorrow, but I think they're home this weekend. So a lot of other sports going on. And then more interviews. As you mentioned, all those football interviews, we got a group of them tomorrow and then a group on Wednesday. And in that group of players that we're going to be interviewing on Wednesday is uh, DJ Uyunglele. It's going to be our first chance since he's become a Seminole and uh, been going through the workouts and everything. We're going to get to hear from him and talk to him on Wednesday, which should be a lot of fun. So it's going to be a busy week at the site. Yeah, man, it's happening quick. It's all flying by. February's flying. And next thing you know, we'll be watching spring football practice. It'll be cool. So make sure you come to Warchant.com to check out all the goodness. It is new every day. Warchant TV. Listen to Wake Up Warchant. Seminole Headlines is on tomorrow. That is uh, you, me, and Corey. And then I the think our, the I think our I think our guy might be in town. I think we might all be in the studio. I'm not sure I'm buying it. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll I'll find out. It. I'll believe it when I see it. But, yeah, so some of the headlines tomorrow, Jeff Cameron show throughout the rest of the week, too. So we've got plenty of stuff for you, Warchant.com, Warchant TV. Like, subscribe, celebrate, do all the good things, and give Russ a call. Russ is good people. He's intimidating, but he's good people. He'll do the right thing for you. For Irish Chaffel, good job, Ben. I'm Jeff. You guys be well. Take care. Peace.